1: Hey, this is Robert Rustler, and you're listening to Zach and Dustin on
2: $2 Late Fee. Love you guys. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in
0: the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them, all in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. Corey Webster is taking off for
2: L.A. He lives to thrash. Everybody, what do thing,
1: everybody... He loves to compete. But the competition is a killer. Check it out. Hook in the dam. You're going to be the most beautiful girl of the
2: club. The music of the Bangles, Animotion. Devo. Meatloaf. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Thrash
1: it. Well, what do you thrash? What do you got? You'd like to be held like that? Yeah, I'd love it.
2: An uphill romance.
1: Corey, please don't go.
2: To a
0: downhill race. Ration, it's not a kids game anymore. Ooh, I'm feeling hot with my open shirt and my skateboard necklace and my red Windbreaker Jackets, ready to talk about thrashing, thrashing,
2: thrashing, thrashing. There were, you know, several moments in this movie when uh, uh, when I was re-watching it that I said, Zach thought that was cool. Zach <laughs> thought that Josh Brolin look was cool. He thought, you know, the van, the Dagger's van was cool. He thought a bunch of things were cool.
0: Well, hold on. I got to cut you off there for a second. I got to cut you off because in full disclosure, we already recorded an episode, but. Well, program got lost, and we're re-recording, so there's a couple things that we didn't talk about in that episode that I was like, I want to bring this back up now, and one of them being, you made a list, did you not, in thrashion of things that you thought I would like.
2: <laughs> yes, as I was going through, I thought, <laughs> Zach thought that was, co- you know, not necessarily now, but like... You know, you saw a certain thing and you wanted to maybe emulate it, own it, whatever. But that, that Josh Brolin look specifically when he's going to that party and he's got he's, he has no no shirt on underneath. He's just got an open shirt, open jacket, and like as close to a choker as one would have, uh, in the eighties. And I was like, that's uh yeah, I bet Zach tried that look. I bet he tried that.
0: Uh, I actually have a photo. You know the, you know about the photo. I'm might have posted it on our Instagram. I can always repost it, but it's me wearing a what they call those like painter's hats, that more kind of boxy shape that they wore in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I
2: think painter hat, sure.
0: I think it's a twisted sister hat and I've got like a sleeveless shirt on looking pretty cool. Do you know the picture I'm talking about? Mm, I don't I don't think I do. I'll dig it up and I'll I'll post it on our Instagram. It's me, I think, when I was like, I want to say 9 or 10. So around the time that this movie came out in 1986. Um, And we'll see if that kind of tracks with my look. Because I didn't have, well, I had longish hair, kind of like Josh Brolin, a.k.a. Corey Webster in this. So. um,
2: Okay. Do a little side by side.
0: Yeah. uh... Yeah. My brother, though, my brother would have been around the age. I think he was. 15, 16 years old at the time when this movie came out, so um, that makes sense. Like, I think he probably had more of that look, and I wanted to look like my brother because I thought he was cool, and I was more like the kid in the movie. What's the name of their gang, their, their group?
2: The uh, Ramp Locals?
0: Yeah, the Ramp Locals. Yeah. And Little Stevie. I think I was more like Little Stevie.
2: Oh, you were like Little Stevie, right, who kind of becomes... More of a character. Like he's not always there, but when he is there, you're like, oh, they're hanging out with a little boy.
0: And he's not the brother of anybody, is he? I don't know if it's even
2: explained. It's almost like you know, you see this little kid, and you're like, oh yeah, he's just part of the gang. And then, you know, uh, at the very end, right, Chrissy's rooting, rooting on, <laughs> rooting on Josh Brolin's character, Corey, <laughs> with with this little boy, with little Stevie, which is very weird because you're like how do they even know each other and where are the rest of the friends but um yeah but <laughs> anyway to to your point about this being the second take uh i think this is going to be a 100 percent better episode and i think that um you know we're only disclosing it just in case there's anything strange for you the listener where you're like that didn't seem like those guys were being authentic or are they going through a groundhog day thing that i can somehow sense that they're experiencing it um <laughs> if you if you are that kind of person who can tell when someone's having a Groundhog Day experience. Um, have you ever gotten, like when you were a kid, did you ever, you know, somebody gave you a present and you already had that present, you know, and you open it up and then you have to kind of do that thing where you're like, you're like, uh, oh, oh, thank you for this Pac-Man board game. But you already have it, but you're so little, like you don't want to just be like, I already have it.
0: Well, I was on the flip side of that. I was at a party once where I gave someone something and... I forget his name. Adam might have been his name. But he looks at his mom and he goes, I already have this.
2: Yep. Yep. And his
0: mom's like, why don't you say thank you?
2: (laughs) Right. Right. It's like he hasn't been prepped properly because he's a child (laughs) to know that that's like rude to you. And he's just expecting something. I mean, you can't really fault Adam in the moment, but it makes you feel like shit. Yeah, the whole thing. So anyway, all that to say is like if we're having this episode. And they're like, have these guys opened this present before? It feels like (laughs) they have, but they're not acknowledging it.
0: Well, it's a good thing we're not like convincing liars because uh, on the flip, I have a friend who, who has told me on record, she's like, even if I don't like a present, I will convince the person that gave it to me that it's the best present I've ever been given. And I'm like, that sucks because that person might not realize that you're bullshitting them. She's like, yeah, no one ever knows. Well, and
2: also that leads to other problems because if if somebody's overexcited about like this present, then you're going to think for future presents, well, they like that one so much. So I'll get them something connected to yeah. that. And then you just have this, you know, and it's just it's just Yeah. It <laughs> it doesn't serve you psychologically. I mean, I think there's something wrong with with your friend. Oh yeah. There is. <laughs> there's something because because nobody nobody wants to be told something that isn't true. Like she might think, oh, I'm you know I'm being nice and then they're gonna feel good about themselves. It's like, right, but you're lying.
0: Yeah. Um Kristen knows who I'm talking about. So she would be like, Oh yeah, that person does have issues with a capital ish.
2: So Yeah. So I mean, there's something in that person's childhood that uh has really triggered this way of of uh of of thinking and we could probably even yeah narrow it down to birthdays or whatever (laughs) or how she was treated or
0: right i already had that op shirt
2: yeah so i already
0: got that jimmy z t-shirt
2: so if we can get her on tales from the video store and um really grill her oh about that that'd be great
0: nice segue to our patreon because uh quick shout out to everyone who signed up to our patreon and everybody who signed up this month i think jeff hall good friend of the show parental advisory podcast he upgraded his membership so now he's got a lot more benefits in in his wheelhouse to choose from Um, and you can do that too If, if you're at a lower tier and you're a patron you can sign up to a higher level whenever you want and if you're interested in checking it out you can check it out now
2: Yeah. Jeff T. Hall was part of our like our secret in and out menu, like our animal style um, menu, which we don't offer anymore. It's not it's not an offering. It's I mean, it still exists, but you know, either you're grandfathered in or you're not, because we don't accept people at new new members of that tier because we simplified things. We made it even better, um, lowered some lowered some prices on another tier. So you you basically get all the good stuff at one low price of five dollars a month. Less than the cost of one latte.
0: That's right. That's right. Can you believe it? uh, (laughs) I I can believe it, (laughs) especially because we just just finished Martial Art Madness, by the way. Um, Yes, we did. Four straight weeks of episodes, which was amazing. And then we tacked on another episode of a new podcast that we just dropped called Territory Marks with myself and Paul London. Um, I joke in that episode that Dustin's not on it because he doesn't know anything about wrestling. I joked,
2: hilarious joke, hilarious. <clears throat>
0: Thank you. It landed like a brick. I la- <laughs> but I, mean, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't
2: there to hear it in real time. But when I heard it later, I was like, "It's a, it's a good joke."
0: It's a good joke, and I immediately took it back. I think I was like, "Just kidding, just kidding."
2: Oh, which is, maybe which I don't tracks? Know. I yeah, right. That would track.
0: <laughs> anyway, don't let a
2: joke hang too long. Is the Zach method. <laughs> Don't give somebody a time to process the joke is really your, your method. I know. I got to give people a beat. All right. Was that a joke? Oh, no. He said just kidding. Okay.
0: <laughs> he's, he's joking. Um, but, but I wanted to drop. But Dustin and I had talked about doing another show in the $2 late fee Presents world universe. And um, wrestling seemed like a perfect fit and something that I was excited about. And we brought on Paul London, who's Jonathan London's brother. Uh, Jonathan London, the godfather of Geekscape, and uh, Paul London is a professional wrestler. And we talk 80s and early 90s wrestling on the show, along with some pop culture facts. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, we drop one every month. So for those of you going, wait, are you guys a wrestling podcast now? No, we're an everything podcast. Well,
2: I don't know who's saying that, but if they are, um, they should probably meet your friend who has issues. (laughs) <laughs> and they can get it together it's and, the same and discuss yeah really exactly Um, uh, but i'll even go a step further and just say that you know we've in many of our episodes you've you've just brought up wrestling organically sometimes yeah. in the fun facts at the end and the sparkle and joy in your eyes is unparalleled and i feel like you know you come with all this like yeah it's wrestling and i'm just like
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes sir yes sir yeah you made a snoring voice one time you're like
2: you know like, right oh, yes um uh, you know, and 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 certainly on our on our Patreon, what used to be called why does uh nope, it was called What Does Dustin Know, which is now Patrons What Do You Know? It's a live monthly podcast on YouTube. You guys join the patron, Patreon, you can um you can sign up and and play against me. I'm very bad. But sometimes you would throw in a wrestling question, and I, you know, and you oh you would almost seem hurt when I wouldn't know the answer. Like there was like actual pain. You're like, you don't know that Andre the Giant farted? that day i was like i didn't know that um you're like it's infamous and i I bring that up because in that it was is it the documentary there is a documentary recently that talks about andre the giant's farts there is it was uh and and the phrasing was was it was uh mean gene he was like being interviewed and uh i wish i remember what this was but he said he said when andre would take a fart he used the expression take a fart and that's why As I know course. this. I, I'm, yeah, it's definitely on YouTube. We can pull it up. The sound of, of Andre taking a fart? Well, they were loud. Big man, big fart.
0: You'd love to get you in an elevator and cut one of those long 30-second farts that sound like skin was flapping together.
2: Exactly. First. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to go on, on about this. But the point I was trying to make is that it only seemed natural for you. know I want, I want you to have that someone to share that joy on that journey in something that was such a pivotal part of your childhood, such a nostalgic, uh, you know, foundation. Um, we talk eighties movies, but like eighties wrestling was, was, was equally up there for you. So, um, the fact that, that we had Paul Paul on to discuss blood sport, we're like, this just makes sense. Um, we jive with him. Great dude, and Territory Marks is out now. It's it's great. It's great, you know. And for me, a layperson, I learned a lot, um, and there were certainly a, a ton of things that I did not know, um, and it uh, made me want to go back and, and watch the matches. So,
0: no, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thanks, brother.
2: So that is my advertisement for our new umbrella show.
0: Yeah, yeah. The 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 two dollar lay fee universe is expanding. And now it's what's the opposite of expanding?
2: Dustin? Contracting.
0: Yes. Now we're contracting.
2: Or constricting.
0: Constricting with 1986's thrashing.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh
0: back to our regularly scheduled broadcast and format for the next, well, year until we uh launch another season of Martial Art Madness.
2: <laughs> right. Right. We always uh we always keep things Generally every two weeks, but occasionally we we throw in a little bonus episode, something new, and obviously every March we just we just fill it to the brim, baby. So
0: we do, and 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 now this month, April, we are going to be obviously covering Thrashin' today, and then this is the pre-up for our interview with Robert Rustler, aka Tommy Hook from Thrashin'.
2: Tommy Hook, Tommy Hook, you also know Robert Rustler from. Weird Science, he's one of the uh, one of the bullies with Robert Downey Jr., right? What crazy, guys? Think about
0: that. And that blows my mind, the story he tells about Weird Science and who they originally were going to cast in Robert Downey Jr.'s role. That's mind-blowing to me.
2: There's a lot of great stuff that we talk about with Weird Science. We also discuss Shag, because we had Annabeth Gish on, um... Almost three years ago now, which is wild wild, uh, to talk about Shag. He talks about Annabeth. Really good stuff. Just just a great guest. So really excited to uh, have that interview in two weeks.
0: Yeah. And then we were talking like obviously the episode that we do prior to the interview coincides. What movie were we going to pick? We could have done Weird Science easily. But Thrashen to me, felt like a little more edgy, a little bit more underground, a little bit more unknown. Um, I live in Santa Monica. Dustin lives in Los Angeles as well. So there's this kind of love of this area, especially from an 80s perspective. And Thrashen is a perfect time capsule movie when it comes to the West Side kind of vibe in the 80s. It's really unique to me.
2: It, it really is, and, and you know, not growing up here in L.A., geography and movies would rarely resonate because I'm not—I wasn't going to see like, oh, there's the New Jersey suburbs. I mean, sometimes you would, but it wouldn't be like, oh, clearly identifiable things. Here, you have uh, clearly identifiable areas: Venice Beach, Hollywood Boulevard. Of course, the Walk of Fame plays a a, a major a major role. And geography aside, logistically, because we know that. If you're a skater in Venice, you're probably not spending a lot of time skating in the valley. You're not going up to Hollywood Boulevard. You're not going to these, you know, they they go to a lot of a lot of areas that you have to you have to trek to. It would be it would be a haul. Um
0: yeah, especially on skateboard.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> and sometimes they drive there, but most of the time no, it's just the journey starts on skateboard and the journey and on skateboard. So, um, but you know, we've covered we've covered a lot of the sort of similar films um, of that time period. Similar, like you know, quote unquote, like not quote unquote sports films, but you know, like yeah. like Rad, which is a sports movie, and we talked about that.
0: American Flyers,
2: American Flyers, exactly. Uh, BMX Bandits, um, movies. You know, kids, teenagers, just being kids, being kids, going out. Hitting the hitting the streets, uh, and this is basically Romeo and Juliet on skateboards. This movie,
0: it is, it it is, and we like you said, we've covered a lot of sports related movies. We did a whole episode devoted to our favorite sports movie soundtrack movies, um, and North Shore obviously is a part of that. and And you can run down the list of all the sports related movies, and I think that the '80s specifically was the highest peak. For sports-related movies geared towards teens and people in their early twenties, mm, this one specifically, yeah. I think, caters to teens and the people in their early twenties. Um, really quick before I go off on that, you know, geographically, this movie's all over the place, in the sense that, you know, they're moving from one place to another on skateboards, which, like you said, Dustin, it doesn't track necessarily. I don't think I've recognized that as much uh, since I saw the movie Tough Turf, where one minute they're like at the Beverly Hills Country Club, and then the next minute they're riding down the uh, Ocean Avenue in sure. Santa Monica. And I'm like, whoa, sure. that's jarring. You know, for someone that doesn't live in the area, I guess it, it doesn't really matter. But for people that do, you're like, wait a minute, it would take a long time. And so especially in Thrashing, when they're like <laughs> suddenly on their boards, you know, when when the, the lead of the movie, Corey Webster, played by Josh Brolin, is with his with his girlfriend, uh, Chrissy, played by Pamela Gidley, rest in peace. Um, you know, they were like in the in in Venice one minute and now they're in Hollywood the next. And you're like, wait, but they did all that by skateboard? That's a you gotta get over the hill. Or right. I guess they I guess you could take the bus, but you
2: know In one day? Yeah. I know it's yeah. Um no, you're you're totally right. And I think um there's a lot of uh disbelief or you just have to dispel belief, I guess is is the term I, I, I wanna
0: Yeah, I think that's fair.
2: Like you just you know, it's just not important. You mentioned Corey. We don't know where Corey lives uh most of the time but we know you know we, we cory the movie kind of starts off cory wakes up there's a bunch of post-it notes on his mirror like four or five individual post-it notes right where it says um you know mom's basically saying good luck in los angeles your your duffel bag is at tyler's and it's a very kind of a fast montage to get him from wherever he is to los angeles we see him kind of like pop in he does a little somersault flip with a skateboard into the back of a sort of an open i'm like an open face sandwich car no it's like an open <laughs> i don't know what, what kind of car it is um it's not
0: an el camino that's for sure i think it's no. a little toyota truck kind of deal you know
2: yeah but he just kind of lays in back there and then you know okay it's taking him to los angeles um we don't know if he knows who's driving the car
0: yeah, because you're supposed to—I be- think you're right. You're supposed to believe that he's from—he's somewhere inland. Um, He hangs out with kids that, that are the, the ramp locals, but they're, they're nicknamed, you know, Valley Boys by uh, the Daggers. And you get the sense that he's probably from inland, even though if you know this area, Los Angeles, in the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, that's, you know, Playa Vista or Huntington Beach or somewhere local to the west side— torrents maybe um right which is really funny actually because you're like i guess you would need to take a truck because you're going uphill <laughs> sort of it's
2: yeah it's almost like they wrote this and just said well this isn't really important the important thing <laughs> no. is getting him to la no. you know it doesn't matter where he's from although you know that would really sort of inform a lot of things like in north shore where you know rick kane is from arizona it's like you know if if somebody's from it's it's the fish out of water story, but when you know kind of how deep that fish lives in the water, to begin with, it sort of helps <laughs> things. Because the fact it is He doesn't is that, live in
0: water. Right. <laughs> in well, the Arizona. fact is, is
2: that Corey, Corey goes to like a ton of places and he knows like everybody yeah. somewhere. You know, like every location he goes, like, hey, it's Corey. You know, hey, Corey, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> oh, I'm just here for, you know, we don't know, summer, spring break, whatever. I'm just here for this pool competition. I'm here for this... Uh, competition, and then also this uh, race. Um, these these both equally dangerous extreme skating sports. Uh, and we know very quickly that Corey is a good skater. We know that he can he holds his own. You know. Um,
0: well, what one, one is called? One doesn't have a name, right? The pool competition I don't think has a name. But then the last one is called the L.A. Massacre, right? Which is insane. We'll get to that in a minute but yeah
2: i think what a mom's post-it note says like good luck at the pool competition don't get hurt
0: yeah don't get hurt
2: (laughs) don't get hurt so but
0: as you know to the 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 poster says hot reckless and totally insane so uh, i think that all three of those adjectives describe cory webster or they're they're meant to describe cory webster
2: yep or just you know the, the the nature of the time period uh you know the daggers, who are the 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 antagonist gang, led by Robert Russler and, and Tommy Hook. Uh, you know they're equally uh, hot, reckless, and totally insane.
0: Well, they are when it comes to playing air guitar, because Robert Russler has an amazing air guitar moment where he's like, "Look at me! Look how awesome I am!" Just
2: some of the craziest air guitar. Which you know, when you think about like air guitar, and maybe you're, you know, like, how old were you when you discovered like, oh, air guitar's a thing. <laughs> Like people can't yeah. do air guitar now and be taken. You can't do. You can't be. You can't do earnest air guitaring. You know. You can only do ironic air guitaring now. I think.
0: Well, I, I'm wondering if we can do this. If we can take a supercut of of him doing the air guitar in Thrashin' and then Crispin Glover doing the spastic dancing in uh, Friday the Thirteenth and mm. put those next to each other
2: <laughs> and see <laughs> which yeah, we, ones
0: were more spastic. Because you um, can definitely do that. Robert Ressler definitely shows, I mean, out of all the actors in this movie, he's the one that really stands out. You know, most of the time people say, oh, I love to play the villain because the villain has more opportunities to kind of expand upon their character. He definitely does. I mean, he's not a villain in the traditional sense. He's more of this overprotective brother, I think, ultimately, with this kind of edgy side. Right. Which results in Corey getting his arm broken, but that's Corey's fault, and we'll get to that too. Um, but he's really not like your typical villain, but he has so many moments in this movie where you're like, ooh, I want to look at that guy. From like putting, figuring out what earring to wear to, you know, when he's looking in the mirror and how interesting that is uh, as a, for a scene to be like just staring at somebody looking at themselves in the mirror. It's pretty cool because like he emotes so much emotion in that scene. Yeah,
2: I, I agree with that. I think that he is a multi-dimensional character, uh, and so much so that I think that he has so much he has so much more going on than than Josh Brolin's character. Agreed. Yeah, Hook is is very dynamic. Uh, I I really sided with him for most of the movie, other than a few examples where I'm like, all right, you guys are you're definitely dicks. But really, as much as the daggers are dicks. The ramp locals are also dicks. And Josh Brolin goes through this movie. I mean, let's just say it right now. Yeah. He doesn't really smile. He's rude to everyone. I don't think he says thank you a single time to anyone that helps him. And he's sort of entitled. Like, he feels like the world owes him everything. And that's hard to relate to.
0: Yeah. I I, I think I can see in 1986 how teenagers, specifically boys, would see this and think he's cool girls would see this and think he's hot. I get that. But with a lens that we have now in our current state, we look at that and go, ah, oh, this kid's got way too many privileges and choices. You know, he, yeah, you're right. The Daggers do a few mo- have a few moments where you're like, oh man, you guys are jerks. This, specifically the one where they interrupt the break dancers on, uh, on the boardwalk in Venice. That's messed up. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, like you said, yeah, the ramp locals have kind of they do the same things. Uh, The daggers jump on top of the ramp local's car and dent their roof, right? But so the the valley, or sorry, the ramp locals do the same thing to another person when they're having their awesome montage. Right. So it's not like, I didn't see them dent her roof, but they still jumped on top of a person's car, which is super messed up. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh, but, but they're nice guys, right? Are they, though? Are they nice guys? Yeah.
2: It's it's, you could easily be like, you know, they're both sides are wrong.
0: Well, I think specifically like one character who stands out to me in the ramp locals who I think while on one hand he's cool, quote unquote, on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but you really push the envelope as far as being a jerk is um, Radley played by Josh Richman. Josh Richman, who I recognized from um, River's Edge. Mm hmm. But then he went mm-hmm. on to work with like Guns N' Roses behind the scenes, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you look up his little backstory, he's, he's got a lot of history with Guns N' Roses specifically. But um, I mean, he's been in a ton of great 80s movies. I just remember him from this movie and River's Edge. And in this movie, he's kind of unlikable. He trashes Bozo's car, played by Brett Marks. And after he trashes bozo's car he humiliates bozo in front of a couple women that bozo's attracted to and he smuggles alcohol into a club i mean he's kind of like a like a bad influence you don't see the daggers doing that to each other
2: yeah there's kind of like uh there's always like that friend in your friend group growing up that's kind of like the butt of all jokes and you know you realize later when you're an adult like oh that wasn't probably particularly cool um but yeah. also it's just like it's just like, you know, we we have those friends who are like friends because they're part of the friend group and not you would never hang out with them one on one. Like so you can't, you know, you can't picture uh, Radley and Bozo like hanging out apart from Tyler.
0: No. Tyler actually well, little Stevie too, but Tyler is seems to be pretty cool, like the glue in the group that holds everybody together. Yeah, he,
2: he he's got the plans for the ramp, he builds the ramp. He clearly is putting up Josh Brolin's character in an RV.
0: A sweet RV, too, by the way.
2: Josh Brolin gets his own RV? Like, what?
0: Right? Tyler's played by uh, Brooke McCarter, who you guys will recognize from Lost Boys as Paul. Rest in peace to Brooke McCarter. And Brooke, like, as Tyler, he seems like the most sweet guy in the group, and... I have the most sympathy for him because his ramp gets trashed by the daggers, another jerk move on the daggers part. Um, And he comes for revenge. He comes for revenge specifically not from Tommy Hook, but another guy in the group, right?
2: Right. He comes for Monk. He comes for Monk. Yeah.
0: I want Monk!
2: I guess we've gotten a little ahead of ourselves, though, as far as— Establishing story and stuff like that.
0: You kind of summed it up. You're like, this is essentially Romeo and Juliet on skateboard. It, it
2: is. It is. So, so Tommy Hook's sister, Chrissy, who you mentioned, played by Pamela Gidley. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Must have. Must say, rest in peace. We learned that she <laughs> tragically died. Um, uh, we we you and I went to a screening of Cherry 2000 not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and the director of Cherry 2000, uh, whose name uh, Steve Steve DeJarnette. Steve Desjarnet. I always want to say, like, Steve Jarrett. I'm like, that's not his name. No. Steve Desjardins. Uh Steve told us that there were some complications involving breast implants. I don't know if she was having them removed or there was an infection uh, later on, uh, which is horrible. It's it's tragic. And Dude, it's, it's so
0: horrible. It's so messed um, up. I'm not laughing. It's horrible.
2: And no. Um, but so she is the main love interest. In this movie, in Cherry 2000, excellent, excellent cult classic movie with Melanie Griffith um, as well. Highly, highly recommend that one. And uh, perhaps we will cover that at some point down the road.
0: Yeah, very possible. Pamela Gidley, by the way, was on like 17 cover model at the time. Beautiful actor. Kind of a unique look amongst all the blondes at the time. She had, I don't know, like a, I don't know. She just had a different look to me personally, but. That's neither here. Yeah, here.
2: no, she she um she's mesmerizing and you know her character Chrissy is visiting her brother uh from Indiana, uh somewhere in Indiana. We just, you know, she's just in town, kind of open-ended and in the same way that hook is very protective of her uh you know, she's trying to find her way as like her own self. There are, you know, a few scenes where it's like, you know, Chrissy's like staying out all night with with Corey and then he, you know, she comes in and he's like where were you? And she's like, I'm out, okay? Like, what's the big, you know, and it's like, no, like, I, he's in the right. Like, he, you, you're you his responsibility while you're there. And, like, who doesn't, you know, yes, it's the 80s. You know, you can't just send a text. I'm going to be out. But, like, you don't call. You don't let your brother know. I'm leaving the party with this random dude. I would be
0: furious. Tell, give me your take on what do you think the ages of our, uh, like, Tommy and Chrissy. And Corey.
2: um, you know, it seems like there might be like a four year difference. Um, okay, maybe, excuse me, maybe five.
0: You think Chrissy's at least 18, though?
2: I do think Chrissy is 18. Yeah, I think Hook is, yeah, 23, 24, somewhere in there. I mean, he's clearly out of school, out of school age. Yeah, Does, doesn't necessarily seem like a guy who went to college, but he, uh,
0: why because he's stupid,
2: you know. Because he just sits in the house all day and plays air guitar. Um, you know, there's no reporting to, to work. Uh, yeah. My life,
0: man. Air guitar is my life. <laughs>
2: <sighs> if you want to make it to the air guitar pros, Chrissy, you got to you gotta practice all
0: the time. You know, our next door neighbor is the King of Kong. So, like, yep. he's, he's got that cornered. There's only one choice left for me, man. It's air guitar, bruh.
2: And air guitars are gonna they're gonna air guitar. You know, that's the slogan.
0: Are you ready for the air guitars? There is a real thing, by the way. That's a real thing. The air guitar championship. There's yeah. a documentary about it. And there is a documentary. Ridiculous. A, it's right. absurd.
2: King of Kong and Air Guitar <laughs> Championships.
0: No, but Tommy is protective. He's protective of Chrissy, rightfully so. It's yeah, I, I don't I was not like that. I didn't go out, I didn't start staying out really late until I was in my 20s, and I didn't do it all that often, and yeah, she's hanging out with Corey, and Corey and Tommy have a disdain for each other, you know, on one side you're supposed to side with Corey because you're like, yeah, this guy's just trying to live his dream, and he wants to be a skate pro, and he wants to skate for Smash Skateboards, and he's going to win the LA Massacre and be, you know, the champ. But on the other hand, when we are introduced to Corey meeting the Daggers for the first time, he skates on their ramp. He invades their turf. And let's be honest, like if you watch the Warriors and you're like, oh, yeah, the Warriors are cool. If someone marched into their territory, they'd be like, yo, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? And then in this movie, we're supposed to be like, he can do whatever he wants. Who cares? What's the big deal? And you're like, no, 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 no. Well, hold on a second. He's coming into Venice, and if you're familiar with Venice back in the day, it was very territorial, and there was like this kind of gang-type deal. And then in North Shore, you know, when Rick goes to surf with in the Hooey's there, and people are like, you can't do that, man. You can't take somebody's wave. As an audience, you go, yeah, you don't do that. You You don't don't snake someone's wave. But then in this, you're like, what's the big deal? He goes, he's so good, man. Like, let it go. So I think there's a little bit of a contradiction there. doesn't
2: give a fuck about anything. And we as the audience are supposed to be like, yeah, man, he's so bad. But you're absolutely right. No, the Daggers (laughs) would have every right to kind of beat his ass down on the spot. And we'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, that's the thing. You don't just go in and disrespect somebody. I kind of liken it to like, you know, being in LA and you're in traffic because we're in traffic like all the time. And then, uh, you know, Mister Entitled over there, just uh, in the shoulder, just to, oh, go right ahead, sir. Go right ahead along the uh, the shoulder there, because you know it's just it's your world, and we're just you know the rest of us are at your service here, you know. And then, and then just a bunch of people, uh, just just riding that shoulder for as long as they can.
0: Same thing. Yep, totally the same thing
2: makes me so furious but um
0: (laughs) well but i think i think you're what what you're getting at what i'm getting at is all of these plot points are kind of moot because the main focus of this film is on the skateboarding it is on the professional skateboarding which is sick you know guys like tony alva tony hawk christian hasoi steve caballero those guys were in the movie at the time i think tony hawk was probably like a little kid at the time Like legit pros are in this, just like legit pros are in North Shore, Side Out, for example, uh, Rad, that kind of deal where the real deal is in there adding legitimacy. And even the stunt doubles look pretty convincing in comparison. I would say it's on par with North Shore as far as the stunt doubles looking like the actual actors. Um, That takes precedence over the things that drive us nuts in this movie. (laughs) Right. and these and the
2: things that drive us nuts in this movie now are not the things that drove us nuts uh in 86 or you no. know whenever we saw it when no. you know this was a movie I watched I watched this quite regularly it was on uh, HBO yeah um'm I'm, I'm certain I rented it you know it's uh it's part of the culture it was cool there is a music montage really every like three minutes um <laughs> which I love if you're timing it and I know you know we'll talk about we'll talk about the music but But this movie has more songs that are sort of on equal footing than any other movie we've talked about. You know, there's like 18 songs and you just you're like, oh, wow. And so every time they're skating from point A to point B or whatever, there's a new song. And that's what's cool about this movie.
0: Yeah, it's uh, bonkers that this movie didn't have a proper soundtrack release because just like North Shore, just like Whitewater Summer, Like, um, yeah, I think those two uh, specifically stand out to me, but Quicksilver Quicksilver has a proper soundtrack and actually, yeah, in some ways, and that's another 1986 movie. Um, in some ways I want to revisit that film again because we dropped that. That was like one of our first episodes that we ever recorded. And looking back on it now, I have stronger feelings about that soundtrack being really good. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: we'll get to that another time. This one though, the songs are you know go from really good to mediocre. And then the ones that stand out to us, you know, are are like not by the bands that you would expect. Because the people who are on this who have a bigger name recognition are not necessarily the best songs to talk about. But really quick, I, I just I wanted to say, talking about the skateboarding, the final race, the LA Massacre, is so intense because if you are familiar with the Santa Monica mountains where they shot this, it's really steep and Mm -hmm. it's really dangerous. So while in the opening to this movie and the, at the end of this movie, you see skateboarders fly, flying all over the place, like from this weird angle, you know, it's like the cameras underneath them as they're going, ah, (laughs) going into off the hill or onto concrete. Yeah. While it looks kind of silly, that stuff is really scary like yeah. the, the the legitimacy of this race being a massacre being hell of the west for skateboards uh you know if you've never seen american flyers you, you don't know what i'm talking about but hopefully you have um it's intense man like one wh- i was on the edge of my seat at moments cuz i'm like oh my god people can literally die in this sequence
2: yeah so you so i'm just picturing you picturing you literally on the edge of your seat
0: well, I watched that scene with Bodhi because Bodhi was like, is there going to be kissing in this? Is there going to be diarrhea in this? I'm like, yeah, there is.
2: He still feels like kissing is diarrhea?
0: He still calls kissing diarrhea. Not okay. every time, but...
2: Okay, just depending on who it is.
0: Depending on who it is. And if it's sweet, it's kissing. If it's not, it's diarrhea. But then he's like, oh, but they kissed at the end. They're like, like... when he imi- <laughs> I can't imitate him, but he recreated the scene at the end when... Corey and chrissy link back up yeah and kiss each other and he's like (laughs) and you hear a kid imitate that it was hilarious i'm like yeah that's pretty much what happened when they kissed each other
2: they made a sound
0: yeah they made that sound i get it but no we i watched that final scene with him because i said bud let's watch this uh race at the end it's really intense And we're watching it. We're like, whoa, that is intense. We were both kind of on the edge of our seat.
2: Who was more on the edge of their seat? Me, of course. Okay.
0: (laughs) And I sold it. I sold it like a champ. Oh, you sold it? I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, did you, oh, my
2: gosh. Oh, so you were selling it for him.
0: Yeah, but it was not a work. It was a shoot.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, These are wrestling terms, right? Yes, they are. Yes, okay. See, and I know that Okay, thanks to Territory Marks. Thanks. (laughs) The selling. I learned about the selling, you guys. The selling. Um, and hopefully you're buying what we're selling right now. Um, it, did
0: you did you buy what uh, Sherilyn Fenn was selling in this movie?
2: I did. She's great. Um, I love you know, her I, so much. Obviously we know her from uh, all of our movies. The Wraith, of course. Just uh, One of the Guys. Just One of the Guys. The Wildlife. Sandy, The Wildlife. Uh, there's very few things that yeah, that I'm not a fan of her in. And um, yeah, and like her character Velvet, you know, she's Tommy Hook's girlfriend and she's like really just looking out for her people the whole time. And she makes a a lot of good points um, to everybody, you know, where she at one point she's talking to Chrissy and she's kind of like, you know, like, whose side are you on here? Because, you know, like just as your brother or just as your boyfriend, your new boyfriend who you met yesterday could get hurt. You know your brother could get hurt too, and you've known your brother a lot longer, and you know it's not it's not as it's not as black and white as just like you know uh like everybody's on this same boat here so if 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 hook and Corey are gonna joust, it's equally troublesome for both parties
0: well, they joust and and yeah, she has like zero sympathy for her brother clearly she's got a crush on Corey and you can see why it's, it's a cliche kind of like, Oh my God, she's so hot, whatever. Uh, and he gives her his necklace and that's a big deal. But yeah, he, he's such a jerk to her. Just like you said, he is to everybody. She gives him a get along gang toy and, uh, and he smashes it. He smashes her moose, the get along gang moose. It was a scene that stood out to me so badly because I loved the get along gang when I was a kid. I had that little toy. It's a little moose on a skateboard, wearing like Michigan U of M colors, Uh and uh, (laughs) and I'm like, that's so sweet that she gave you the moose, and now you smashed it.
2: She wheeled up a moose cutely. She probably walked there on foot to your (laughs) RV in the middle of the valley. But like, you know, let's just go back for a minute because this idea of Corey being a dick, like, there's so many moments, right? And I don't want to. I know I I don't want to shine a magnifying glass on it, but I did want to point out, like, at one point Corey calls. Chrissy, you know, calls Hook's house, basically. Yeah. Hook picks up the phone. <laughs> and like, have you ever, like, have you ever like so like you call someone, they pick up and you go, like this is before before somebody had a cell phone, before it was just like one owner of the phone, right? If you're calling a house where potentially five or six people could answer that phone, you would never assume that who you were talking to was the person that you had tried to reach. Right. Like, you know, you're calling a girl when you're in middle school on the main line. Somebody picks up. You don't hear a hello right away. You don't just go, hey, uh, Chrissy, is that you? (laughs) Like, like, right. So Hook picks up the phone. This is Corey's response. Right. Chrissy, is that you? And then, uh, you know, Hook's like, well, no, actually, actually, Chrissy's not around right now. Put her on, Hook. (laughs) What? Dude, no. And then, and then, Hook's like, "All right, all right, ass, like, calm down." You know, he's just trying to be a little playful on the phone. But no, Corey's just like, "No, I know she's there. I'm gonna, you know." And this is like, this is Corey's thing throughout the whole movie. The whole movie, Corey is going like, "Where's Chrissy? I need Chrissy." You know, it's like, dude, tone it down. Stop being an asshole. Kill him with some kindness.
1: Hello, Chrissy, is that you? Uh, who may I ask you speaking, please? This is Corey Webster. Why, who's this? Ah, Corey Webster. How you doing? I heard you
2: had a little accident yesterday. It was no accident, Hook, and you know it. Now put Chrissy on the phone.
1: Uh, well, Chrissy's busy, man, and, uh, she'll be busy for the rest of the summer, so why don't you not call back here? Put her on the phone. Oh, and Corey? You come near Chrissy
0: again and you're dead meat. Oh, yeah? Well, after the L.A. massacre, you're dead meat, Hook. You just better Sure, I don't
1: see your ass before then.
0: And Corey? One more thing.
1: Shit.
2: It's the same thing at the end where, you know, Chrissy's quote unquote gone to the airport or got or gone to the bus station, and you know, Sherylyn Fenn's like, you know, I just took her to the bus station. Oh, yo, where? You know, it's like he can't even have a conversation like a normal human being with anybody. No. And no. it's it's so it's so weird. It's like almost like he doesn't want. Like, well, I know you guys are just liars and, and and evil doers. So, whatever. But they're more reasonable than he is.
0: If they really wanted to plant the seed that these were evil people, they would have shown the daggers robbing people, or you know, stealing beers from a liquor store, or something like that, or or, or you know, graffiti tagging yes, up a yes. tagging up a house. I know. It's horrible what they do to Tyler's ramp. I get that. That is messed up. What they do to the um, break dancers is messed up.
2: Throwing jacks while Corey's doing a skateboarding run
0: is messed up. and That's messed up. In front
2: of everybody. There were no witnesses for some reason, but fine.
0: Yeah. This was not a time, I guess, when you could be like, yo, what you did was really messed up. They're not given the opportunity. Well, I guess, okay, I get it that they're bad, but Corey is, like, supposed to be the face of the of this movie, the good guy. And it's another
2: wrestling term, everybody. It's another wrestling. From
0: Territory Marks. Territory Race,
2: Marks. Uh, sorry, face or baby face? Yes. Are they the same thing, by the way? Baby face yeah, and baby face? Yeah, baby face and
0: face are the same. Yep.
2: So face is like a nickname for, for baby face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And okay, the daggers yeah. are the heels. The daggers are the heels. Right, right. When he calls Tommy, it is a really—he, uh, he once again, proves— yeah, he's a jerk. And I know that Josh Brolin, actually uh, Robert Rustler, who's still friends with Josh Brolin, by the way, talks about Josh's kind of feelings on thrashing in the interview, which is really entertaining. Um, and yeah, he doesn't do himself any favors. Chrissy goes out of her way, bends over backwards to the point where she even travels, well, 600 miles or 300 miles in a day. To, uh, to get back to Corey at his big race, to root him on Well, after gonna, he's broken I'm his arm.
2: stop you because it's way more miles than that. It's way okay. more miles than that. But, <laughs> but your point, so, you know, Corey gets injured in the joust, and he's mad at Chrissy because she doesn't go running to his side. But he's, she, are, she has already advised him, don't do the joust.
0: And she gets pulled away, by the way. She gets, gets pulled away. She
2: does get pulled away. She tries to get to him, is not able to get to him. And then he destroys her moose because he's mad. He's mad if she didn't stay and help him after, you know, where were you? I needed you, whatever. Now he's in a cast, his arm is useless, he won't be able to he won't be able to race in the LA massacre. You know, life is pointless, and then he destroys the moose. And it's like and then she's like, Well, fuck you. And Yes, pretty much <laughs> agreed. Pretty much. Agreed. You are correct, Chrissy. That is the right move. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, what you're talking about leads me to the most the most unrealistic part of of the movie, and I did the math and I've got the math and you know and and again these are you know it's, these are estimates um Venice to just Indiana that's a twenty one hundred mile trip that is that would take you uh one day and seven hours approximately if you were to travel that by car uh Chrissy runs away, leaves, Corey tries to get her, whatever, it doesn't connect, right? Velvet lies to him, oh, she went back. So, yeah, big he's, he's, yeah, he's got the race coming up, and she is in a lot of buses, we see her on a bus, it's going to Chicago, somewhere between LA and Chicago, she's rummaging through her purse, she sees this necklace that Corey has given her, um, the, the necklace where he's open-shirted, you know, it's a skateboard, he you know, it has meaning to him, but he gave it to her. He he wasn't like my lucky necklace or anything like that. She looks at it, right? Yeah, She's she like, gets, "You want it?" <laughs> yeah, it's like, "You want it? You should have it." You know, in this diner where we're hiding from your brother and his gang, because um, but they're everywhere. They're just everywhere. Everywhere in L.A. is everywhere. But uh, some point, she takes out this necklace. She gets sentimental, and she decides, you know what? I got to I got to go back. I got to be there for him, which yeah. already. You're like, all right, well, you sort of, you know, you ended with a fight. Maybe you're feeling a little like you, you got to make things right or whatever.
0: Yeah, because he, you get the sense that he wants to apologize to her, but he doesn't get a chance to.
2: Right. Uh, Chrissy, but, come back here. But he's real hard-headed and whatever. She's a little, she's, she's softer and that's fine. Um, <laughs> she's fragile. But then fragile. Uh, we see... That she turns around, she hitchhikes, she gets in an RV with a family, she's then traveling back for X amount of hours, she gets out of the RV, she stands in front of a sign, 300 and, I believe it's 362 miles now to Los Angeles, which, minimum, minimum that's six hours. So she has already traveled, let's say, I don't know, let's give her, let's just, we, we can just throw a number out there, two hours, um two hours on the turnaround. So that means this is already, let's say 10 hours. She's already traveled 10 hours. Now she's first going back. She's showing leg while she's
0: hitchhiking. She's basically like giving herself up.
2: Right. This is horrible. You're like, why are you showing leg? And I understand it's, it's kind of meant to be like silly. So she's hitchhiking back. She's dangerously hitchhiking back 362 miles to see Corey at this treacherous race
0: she's hot reckless and, and totally insane too i
2: mean really <laughs> truly uh you know and i mean you i feel like i was hearing all the time right you just don't hitchhike like the hitchhiking in the 60s and 70s was much different than hitchhiking in the 80s in the 80s it was like the messaging was not there was no hitchhiking uh to be had or maybe you were hitchhiking i don't know
0: I mean, I I hitchhiked when I was 18 years old and and I remember the person that picked me up was like a little old lady from Texas. And I said, you shouldn't do this anymore. You really shouldn't pick up people off the side of the road. And she's like, I know you just look so sweet. And I'm like, yeah, that's not who you should be picking up off the side of the
2: road. But isn't that the dialogue from the hitcher? Like, isn't I think so. Isn't that like the first exchange? It's like it's almost like everyone knows better. And is it weird to pick somebody up and then be told you shouldn't be doing this? And then it's already too late. It is too
0: late. Yeah. It is too late. Yeah. yeah. You could have but, murdered her at that point. Well, I mean, but the point you're making is there's no way she would have made this back in time, uh, geographically, realistically.
2: Well, not only that, I just don't believe that anyone would do that. I think she had gone no. too far back to Indiana at that point.
0: And let's be honest, too. Because uh, Corey wins the competition. He wins the L.A. Massacre. He gets his contract with Smash Skateboards to be a skateboard uh, like, their, their, their poster boy, basically. He's totally going to ditch her. He's totally going to leave her.
2: Well, right, he's going to go on tour, probably. and
0: Because this, this tracks with Corey. You, d- you don't see him as, like, this faithful... He's kind of out for himself, so...
2: Well, no, and it's and it's long distance, and it's like, she's has her life, clearly. It's not no. like she's going to just travel the world with him.
0: But we do have that scene at the end that makes me feel respect for Tommy Hook, where he... Basically apologizes to Corey for the way he treated him. He has his his um, what do you call that? He's got his Johnny Lawrence moment. It's totally Johnny Lawrence's moment. And in the Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio says, <laughs> "You know, thanks so much" or whatever. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks what? a lot. What does Corey do, Dustin? What does Corey do when he when he when Tommy gives his speech about you know my bad?
2: Tommy comes up, gives a speech. Chrissy, your boyfriend's insane. He's got all this like. He's got this good like bro energy like, yo, bro, that was sick. We did that together. Corey does nothing. <laughs> Corey barely looks at him. He's just yep. like, he just kind of stares at him like, hmm. slight nod, slight nod. There's no YouTube, bro. Thanks, man. Sorry for being a fucking asshole the entire movie to you. Um, yeah, like if you can come to me and and say these things, the least I can do is is give you... Like a U2 man.
0: How hard was it to say?
2: "you 2 Just like, like you can't, yeah, like you just can't, like you have instigated this, Corey. Yeah. You have instigated this.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, the fight he has with, with uh, Tommy earlier in the movie, it's a mutual fight. Corey's like, I have to, I got to do this. I don't have a choice. Yeah. You, you always have a choice, dude. Always. You always have a choice. And he blows it. And Always. Tommy has his Tommy has his coming to Jesus. And Corey continues to be his, you know, same yeah. old, same
2: old. It's not even like you have a reputation to uphold. There's no. there's nothing like that. You are there for a purpose, and that purpose is to race. You are there to skateboard. So why are you going to unnecessarily like battle a guy in a joust, you know, and like I understand that that the sort of the catalyst for that is the ramp being set on fire. You know, yeah. uh, Tyler's ramp gets set on fire. He calls out Monk. T- Tyler gets a punch in on Monk. But then the daggers ultimately have the upper
0: hand. And then Corey's like, well, you want You know, it's me, you're after, Hook. Tyler wanted to have his fight with Monk. Yeah. And and he should have just had that and that was it. But Tommy does. That's another jerk move yeah. on Tommy's end to but, interfere.
2: But also, why is he calling out Monk? Like Monk happens to know where the ramp is. But like, it really is more like us versus them. It's It, yeah. it is, you know socials versus greasers you know
0: nice reference by the way because robert rustler was in the outsiders tv series
2: Ah, yes he was i wish i could say i did that by design but
0: yes you did i know you did
2: i did i mean i did um Yeah, obviously I have a lot of strong feelings about the character of Corey. And Corey Stevenson, by the way, if you're listening to this, is it weird hearing your name said every 30 seconds? Uh, I've been
0: thinking about that say too.
2: Say yes or no. Corey Czc from Podcasting After Dark, shout out to you if you're listening.
0: Constantly saying Corey over yeah. and over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. This is weird. It's a lot of um, Corey.
2: We said Corey's, We said the name Corey, yeah, at least 375 times so far. So
0: Prior to meeting Corey, I had a buddy, Jamal who told me about a movie called Little Cory Gory, a horror film. He's like, have you seen, yo, have you seen Little Cory Gory? I'm like, no. But that's so when I would watch Thrashing and hear Corey, I'd think of Little Cory Gory. Have you seen Little Cory Gory now? Oh, yeah, I saw it. Okay, I saw good. It. I saw it like maybe 10 years ago or something, before I met Cory Stevenson. So Is it Sleazies. good? Uh, it's not bad. It's better than that movie, what is it, Mikey? Uh, the movie with the kid from, remember the kid that got brought on Family Ties at the tail end? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Is his name Brian uh I almost said is his name Brian Bosworth.
0: No, but it's something like that, isn't it? Is it Brian no I almost said Brian Boitano. Mikey Brian Bonzall. Brian, Brian
2: Bonsal Right first name, same ballpark. Yep. Brian Stars Bo- uh,
0: Josie Bissett and Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser Fame. Oh weird. Okay. And John Deal from uh Miami Vice.
2: So the youngest brother in Growing pains is the lead in this
0: movie that you're about? yes he's the yeah it's 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 like uh um, you know the omen or not the omen oh, but yeah, it's yeah. in that vein, you know, killer kid,
2: kind yeah, of thing. the bad seed, yeah,
0: yeah. but uh little Cory gory is better than that,
2: okay, so little Cory gory is also in that vein of a killer kid,
0: well, it came out a year after. <laughs> It's called Little, little Cory Gory? It's
2: not yeah, Corey Little Cory Gory. Little Cory Gory. <laughs> Starring
0: Todd Fortune and Pat Gallagher and Brenda Page and everybody else that I can read off IMDb. And you can great. too if you go to IMDb. Right. How hard was that? What a, what a great ad for IMDb.com. <laughs> uh, screw IMDb. But um, I, I will say really quick that the description for IMDb is, Two skateboarding gangs battle each other for supremacy, and a member of one gang falls in love with the sister of his rival.
2: Mm, it's just like no. Yes, but like Yes, but also but yeah. Yeah. Supremacy? Battle for supremacy? Like, not really. It's not like anybody winning anything is like, oh yeah, don't mess with the ramp locals. Uh we need to mention um Brett Marks. Oh, Brett Marks.
0: Yeah, hello. Yeah, Bozo, a.k.a. Brett Marks, a.k.a. uh, Descendant of the Marks Brothers.
2: Yes, we need to mention.
0: Yeah, please, please bring up that connection.
2: Um, Yeah, so no, just that, you know, so he's kind of the butt of the jokes in The Ramp Locals. And um, Radley just, you know, takes advantage of him, destroys the car, right? And the car, uh, they uh, solder off the uh, hood of the car. The Cabriolet. the Cabriolet, uh, <laughs> which, what does that mean in German?
0: <laughs> what that means in German is Hungarian. Well, sorry, no. Oh. It's Hungarian. <laughs> what it's does that Hungarian. mean? In Hungarian? Hungarian for fast car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but by the way, you just trashed the car. My dad just got me.
2: Right. Looks terrible. They spray paint it like ladies welcome or <laughs> girls cool. come here. Whatever. Yeah, it looks, looks terrible. I wear my um, funny hat. <laughs> But yes, but but Brett Marks, his name stood out to me because uh, our friend Stuart Fratkin, who uh, is in Ski School and Teen Wolf too, when we had Stuart on with Dean Cameron to talk about Ski School, he mentioned a situation where he had an audition where he was he was given, as part of the audition process, he was given the tape of the other people that were auditioning for the role that he was auditioning. Very unusual. And he saw on there that... There were certain uh, friends that had st- their auditions were started and then they were cut off. And Brett Marks was one of those. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then he had told Brett. And so it's a very, very interesting, you know, when that name was mentioned, I was like,
0: oh, yeah. It's a wild story. And Brett, Brett Marks was in um, the original Bad News Bears. Yes, and he, he looks like one of the Marks brothers. He looks like Harpo. I think the one that didn't talk
2: He like, he that? really does he really and does. And he's
0: related to the Marx brothers which is wild um yeah it's a weird kind of like whoa where'd this come from I did not expect that and and you know in many ways I feel I feel bad for Bozo he you're right you said this in, earlier in the episode he is one of the he's that guy in your group that gets goofed on all the time um and it's a shame. We all had that one guy. I mean, we, not we. I just, I can assume many people had that one guy in their group that got picked on or was the the butt of the jokes, so to speak. And unfortunately, he is, thanks to Radley.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, right? He gets pantsed and it's like,
0: yeah. Dude. hey, those
2: girls were asking about you, Bose. Go do that, Bose. Yeah.
0: And then you don't trust Radley anymore. You're like, dude, I can't trust you. You're always goofing on me.
2: No and he has sort of a moment near you know at the end of the race where he's showing concern for his friends like i hope they hope the mountain doesn't waste them but yeah it's uh there's, there's no redemption as far as bozo
0: is concerned no 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 can we talk about the soundtrack? Can yeah,
2: the soundtrack. Let's do that.
0: So i want to i want to list off the bands that are featured on the soundtrack and then we'll talk about the song that we chose uh, that stood out to us. So on this soundtrack, obviously, clearly the Red Hot Chili Peppers are featured in the movie. They have a song in the movie. Um, It's a silly scene because it suddenly the movie feels disjointed because you're like, oh, are you shooting a music video? Because at one point, like Anthony Kiedis or somebody like looks directly into the camera. It might have been Flea even where you're like, dude, no, you're making the movie right now. You're not making a music video. Um,
2: Very comical.
0: You're very comical, silly. The Chili Peppers are in there. Devo has a song in there. Meatloaf sings the signature song, the Thrashing USA Thrashing. song, Thrashing which is USA. really weird because you're. Oh. I never associated rest in peace with the Meatloaf. <laughs> I never associated good good catch. Good catch. Uh, meatloaf with like this style of music because right. it is very much in the vein of every sports movie soundtrack song. Right, it has that catchy repetitious chorus and... and right, and that you love. The, that I love. And I don't dislike the song. I actually like it a lot, but it's not the song that I chose. Uh Um, The Bangles are on the soundtrack. Leaving's Fear is on the soundtrack, which probably is the shortest song in in the movie. It's like two minutes long. Um, The Circle Jerks, who were really big in the underground scene too, and then Fine Young Cannibals have a song that's actually featured. I'm like, oh, where where are the Fine Young Cannibals going to pop up? That pops up in the ice cream scene. And Emotion pops up and uh i obviously i love animation with cynthia rhodes when they do that room to move song i love that song i think it's a banger and they do that song obsession you are my obsession but then they have their big song staring down the demons which is like the kind of the, the, the last kind of montage moment of the movie before the big race when Chrissy is making her way back across country in a matter of minutes versus days. Um, but the song that stands out to both of us, so we had talked about this when we recorded originally. We were going to choose our songs and then reveal them on the episode. Normally, Dustin and I kind of like bring this up ahead of time and discuss... But I said, why don't you mention your favorite song in the episode? I'll mention mine. And then we did, and it was a shock to Dustin that my favorite song was his favorite song. And what is that song, Dustin? What's the song that we chose as our pick for this movie?
2: So there's a scene in the movie where uh, the ramp locals are kind of Freewheeling it over on Hollywood Boulevard, they're going over the Walk of Fame. They're, you know, jumping over dudes, and the song is playing. Dudes. Hey, man! Yeah, there's like dudes <laughs> on the street. It's just like legs, you know. It's a lot of impressive leg jumping and stuff. You know, like you you jump wrong, you smash some some shins.
0: I mean, it's the, it's a very cool montage and dangerous scene for sure.
2: Yes, and this, and that song is "Playground" by The Truth. Never guessed that this would be your number one song just just never. I think a lot of the songs on the soundtrack sound very much alike you know there's there's so many songs it's just like song after song after song after song after song. The more distance that I would have from this movie, the more it would become more vague and and run together in my mind because they're all kind of i mean there are some songs where it's they just sound like other songs. To me, um,
0: yeah, you're you're thinking specifically about that song "Touch the Sky" by White Sister, who is like a a soundtrack staple band, um, who sounds to me exactly like Y&T. That's during the pool.
2: Yes, um, pool competition. Uh, but then you also have this this Jimmy Deemers fellow who has two songs on the soundtrack. One yeah. is kind of a fast song uh, called "Arrow Through My Heart," and uh, that song sounds like dead or alive spin me right around
0: oh totally
2: um, da, 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 da. um
0: yeah totally you've got to go, go papa baby, yeah. baby.
2: you know and then jimmy deemers also i just want to mention this because it's has the uh the worst song on the soundtrack <laughs> which is kind of which sounds like up where we belong um during the love scene. during the sex scene and it's called Let the Love Begin, and it's like, let the love begin, which is then further repeated in an instrumental that I still, <laughs> it's such a bad instrumental. It's Velvet and Chrissy are talking about what's important, and Chrissy's, I don't you know, like, do you like Corey or whatever? There's just, it's just, it's just girl talk, but then uh, there's like, you like this like Corey, Corey? There's like this horn, and it's like it's it's an instrumental
1: like,
2: like that's what's happening it's astonishing that somebody made the choice to put this in the movie
0: I mean anytime I talk to somebody it seems like it ends up in an argument Chrissy it
1: probably doesn't mean to hurt you it doesn't matter. He's been that way since we were kids. Hey, you sure you don't want to stay? Come on, come to the downhill with us. Friend Corey will probably be there. Don't you want to see him again? I do, but he doesn't want to see me. Look, I just want to go home as soon as possible. You understand, don't you?
0: What's funny about that is when we're mixing our intros for our proper interview episodes, we're always trying to find music that complements our discussion versus overplaying the scene or overplaying the discussion. So we, you you know you don't want to get distracted, right? You don't from, want to take a beat, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So there's times when I'll I'll send Dustin a clip of the interview and like or, or the intro. What do you think? And he's like, oh, that doesn't work or whatever. So we'll edit it. This is one of those moments where you're like. Oh, this is so distracting. It's not like in Better Off Dead when you hear the horns of Arrested By You playing. Right. This is so distracting in this scene where you're like, oh, is this a monkey on a piano right now?
2: <laughs> oh man, if I was either of these actresses, I would be horrified. Like this was like, you know, it's because it's a it's a it's a fine scene. It's like it's the Chrissy and Velvet bonding scene. But all you can hear is
1: just <laughs>
2: like what? And also, it's it's like a romantic, it's supposed to be like a romantic theme. So why would you have this when, you know, Hook's girlfriend is talking to Hook's sister? It, it doesn't belong there anyway. Like, even if it wasn't all uh, crazy distracting.
0: Yeah, because it's supposed to be a learning kind of sentimental scene. It's the sex scene music. It's, you can't you the can't music.
2: sex scene music and then make an instrumental of it and put it under two ladies talking. It's, uh, you know, it's like... There's a whole art to composing and that's why you hear like, you know, things are called like this person's theme because a lot of times characters will have music cues that associate with them. Like the villain comes in, you hear this kind of cue, you know, the protagonist is doing this, you hear this kind of cue, you know, you see it in every uh, movie franchise, right? Star Wars, it's very clear when we're going to, uh, you know, when we're cutting to the Death Star, even before you'll hear like, you know, you hear the whoosh and then there's some music. So like. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: It reminds me of, uh, well, to, to like to, to bring it back to Sherilyn Fenn in The Wraith, when she has her moment with Charlie Sheen in The Hot Springs. They play Hold On Blue Eyes by LaMarca. And then when he takes her home and he's telling her that he ne- she needs to confront Packard and, you know, basically get rid of him, break up with him or whatever. And they're playing the symphonic version of that song under it. So that tracks. That's the moment in the Wraith that comes back. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense.
2: But does it? I mean, people are having... It's a sex scene, and then later she's she's talking to Charlie Sheen?
0: No, I guess you're right. But let's talk about the truth, though. First of all, the truth h- had a song in the movie The Hidden. We watched that with Jim Walker back when the pandemic was at its height, and we were Zoom yeah. watching and we watched The Hidden and this song comes on in The Hidden and I'm like what I that song I loved when I saw The Hidden back in the day it's called Weapons of Love it's like it sounds like The Firm right uh radioactive a little bit and what is that band and I never looked it up and it kind of out of sight out of mind and then when we were discussing Thrashin and I'm looking into songs from Thrashin that stood out to me and in, in the, the Playground by The Truth or Playground by The Truth It's such a unique kind of Brit pop sound to me, and I love it so much. And then the fact that it's the same band that did Weapons of Love later on in 87, I think that's when the hitting, a year later, right? Um, It's just a really good song. The Truth is a really underrated, cool band. Apparently, they got back together in 2012, uh, but I I feel like they flew under the radar here in the United States.
2: Yeah. Weapons of Love is not the best title of a song that you want to be taken seriously, but no, I... Understand.
0: <laughs> Weapons that probably of love. didn't do him any favors. Yeah. Weapons of love. I might play a little bit of that too.
2: Yeah, I went and checked that out after you mentioned it. Uh, Did you I, like it? I didn't like it as much as as much as uh playground.
0: No, it sounds totally different. Yeah. But but the playground song, I don't know. It takes me back to they're not the same because this is a U.S. band, but in Valley Girl, the um, you know, people are like, oh, my God, the Valley Girl soundtrack. The Souls, like in that kind of. Just very earnest and original. Yeah. Like, not original, because it, it, it has similar sound to other songs. But I don't know. It just sounds really unique and special to me.
2: A Million Miles Away.
0: Yeah, and, A Million Miles uh, Away. the
2: oldest story in the world. God, those songs are amazing. Old
0: story in the world. I took a ride. went downtown. The streets were empty. There was no one around.
2: Um, But... Uh, Anyways. I mean, I think that's just, like, hands down, it's the best song. There's the most it's the most dynamic song you know there's a lot of yeah, this like i just have a lot of notes in these songs like sound generic whatever whatever my other t- t- my top 3 would don't Th- don't think twice by france jolly which i liked sort of that was the romantic that was the romantic montage song and then uh staring down the demons um yeah animotion
0: animotion staring down the demons is definitely number three for me meatloaf's thrashing is a lot of fun and i mean that tracks for you because you're like of course zach's gonna like this song (laughs)
2: super repetitive but also like it doesn't sound like it sounds like meatloaf on the verses it does not sound like meatloaf on the chorus at all, and I think if you were to ask most people who sings this, no one would say Meatloaf. And it's, and I think it's because he's not, you know, he hasn't, he's not working with Jim uh, Steinman, you know, like uh, which, which was a big part of a lot of his music, you know, like those that 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 distinct kind of sound.
0: Yeah, well, and I would not associate loaf of meat with a skateboarding song.
2: Um, no, no. But then, uh, oh, then also just the, the one uh, little notable mention here for the very literal scene when the ramp is burning and Burning For burning for You is playing by Rebel Faction.
0: Not very, Burning For You by Blue Oyster Cult.
2: No, very on the nose moment.
0: It is surprising and, and, a, and a bummer that this soundtrack never got released.
2: It seems pretty inexplicable to me because there's so many songs.
0: Sometimes when you hear a movie or you see a movie and they're like, oh, that's a top 40 song, that's a top 40 song, that's a top Genesis or whatever. This is a soundtrack that has pretty much songs that were not played on the radio, I'd say for the most part, that I would not associate. And like, that's a no-brainer to put these out. And Virgin Atlantic, I think, was the video distributor for this. Mm. Fry's Entertainment was the production company. but virgin put it out i think on vhs and you're like isn't that didn't virgin have like a music label at the time and does seem
2: weird i mean there's just so many sellable names here like all the bands in here they're like huge huge bands
0: you throw up devo bangles and red hot chili peppers and people are gonna buy that thing
2: uh right you just put that little sticker on the on the front of the cassette tape i
0: just wonder why that is i don't know but everybody who's listening let us know um sign up to our patreon and let us know what you think of the soundtrack and what your favorite song is on our Patreon. Sign up to Patreon.
2: our Patreon, <laughs> pay us money, and let us know what you think.
0: Pay us and then the tell experience. us. No I'm kidding.
2: No, obviously, uh, we so so support our patrons, and it is an interactive fun environment. I, I will say, um, it is real awesome. So
0: you know, it's an active fun environment. Isn't the year 1986 in pop culture?
2: Okay, segue. Do it. We've talked about 86 before. You've said all the depressing things. The Challenger exploded. We know a lot of people died. But what's some of the good stuff?
0: Well, some of the good stuff was Castlevania was released in 1986. Were you a fan of Castlevania?
2: Sure was. Simon Belmont.
0: love that video game, and then the video game the cartoon came out right Captain N the games master and mm-hmm. Simon Belmont is like this over tan like goof of a guy I'm like that's not Simon Belmont he's supposed to be cool. That was one of the negatives on that cartoon when it came out
2: but it's it, it is interesting, right because like it depends on when you what am I trying to say here like your age group like if like like things that resonate right. It all comes back to nostalgia as one hell of a drug, but like using the example of let's say Double Dragon, which was a great video game, and then you have right these these adaptations like the movie with Scott Wolf and Mark Dacascos and alyssa milano that's not, that's very disappointing to me, to us, right? okay, but if you're if you were younger than we were when that movie came out in nineteen ninety four Right. If you were a little kid, you just thought it was cool.
0: I guess so. I mean, I I get that we you had posted a during Martial Art Madness, you posted a clip from from Double Dragon. And it was very interesting. It was very polarizing to see what people's opinions were of that movie. You either loved it or you hated it, one or the other. And I guess so. I mean, I guess that appeals to a certain age group. But then it just wasn't for me. I'm right. just like, I'd rather have the serious Simon Belmont.
2: Right, right. No, but I guess what I'm saying is, is like, if you, I don't know, it's just like anything. It's like, if you know a cover of a song, but you don't know the original and then certain people are going to be like, oh, this is not like the original. You're like, well, I don't even know that. I just like this thing or, you know, whatever. It's just like your experience is your experience. And when you're younger and you're impressionable, if something comes in, you don't have anything to compare it to. You don't know that it's dumb. It's kind of like the point of our whole show, really. It's like, yeah, wow, true. I thought this was cool. Why did I think this was cool? Because it was cool when I was eight, when you know when I was eleven, um, and now even what we think is cool, what we think is cool overall in society is not cool anymore, so no,
0: you're right, it's very you're right, broad. and then certain nostalgia comes back, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it was so great," and then you watch it and you're like, "Oh, yeah, it's still bad, but i s but I'll give it a pass
2: right. It's like, <laughs> oh, when I watched this, I didn't know anything about storytelling, and I didn't know how to craft a beginning middle and end myself (laughs) I hadn't even written anything of my own you know it's like so then you start realizing okay well this is not really told the best way or why is this even a character and blah 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 blah. so right um that's a lot of and that's probably a bigger topic nostalgia in general we should have that at a panel at the next uh (laughs) comic-con
0: actually that's not a bad idea file that under h for toy yes um All right, so in 1986, on March 9th, following the Challenger disaster, Punky Brewster broadcasted a very special episode concerning Punky's reaction to the real-life Space Shuttle Challenger disaster.
1: Maybe the world is blind, or just a little unkind. Don't know, seems you can't Anything in
0: This would be the final episode of Punky Brewster to be broadcast in NBC. Its final two seasons would be syndicated.
2: Wow. Uh, just trying to get a timeline here. It's not that. So they, they, the Challenger exploded and then they filmed a very special episode that aired how soon after the Challenger exploded.
0: Well, the Challenger exploded in, I believe, Jan, uh, January, late January, January 28th, um, the day uh, that TV show Melba. Aired. In there. <laughs> so, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you, you don't know the will. show Melba,
2: <laughs> you never will. Um,
0: look it up. Go on the Google. The internet's.
2: Yes, Melba. Melba was a show that apparently got that aired the exact same day as the Challenger takeoff.
0: It starred Melba Moore, who was a popular R and B singer at the time, and uh, and and the show was
2: yes has its lowest
0: ratings. Ob- obvious,
2: obviously, nobody watched it. No. That night. There was <laughs> yeah. other things to watch. Yep. And the country was in mourning. Yeah.
0: So, Punky Brewster aired, what, three months later? Okay. So, NBC's like, we got to capitalize on this disaster by filming Punky Brewster's very special episode.
2: By having Punky... And that was the finale of the season.
0: Of her run on broadcast television, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was the season finale of that show. And then when it re... Air when when the show continued its next season, it got it was syndicated.
2: Well, syndication would would happen once you hit 100 episodes, typically.
0: No, 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 no. The, right? the last two seasons became a syndicated television show. Um. So it got canceled by NBC, basically.
2: Right, but how many episodes had they done upon cancellation?
0: Oh, I don't know. That wasn't a part of this. Okay, <laughs> that's not part of
2: this assignment. Okay.
0: I only got so much. <laughs> I can only do so much research. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, but last funny. but not least, last but not least, in January of 1986, HBO began scrambling its signal and no longer becoming a free television service. It was $12.95. 12 95 to watch HBO monthly. Oh, amazing.
2: Amazing, amazing. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of other 1986 facts that I'll get to when we... we I'm sure we're going to cover more 1986 movies. We've done it in the past. I want to keep it fresh.
2: Yeah, yeah. No. And
0: also keep it fresh for what... Uh, pa- patrons, what do you know?
2: Right. Excellent. Patrons, what do you know? Uh, the reason I was asking about syndication is because typically when a show hits 100 episodes, that's when it can be broadcast and, and, and syndicated, you know... Uh, Across multiple Yes. Multiple venues. So it would seem weird that they would cancel it and then they would just
0: I I totally see what you're saying.
2: Do new episodes. So you know, just picked up everywhere. So that's all. Yeah.
0: So typically like if a show gets canceled on one network, it gets picked up by another network, say CBS for example, and they start airing new episodes, right? Most likely gets canceled soon after because let's be honest, like the network was probably right in certain cases. Yeah. Uh, not always in others, but I think, yeah, this is weird because she, it, the show got canceled on NBC and then they had two more seasons, but those were just syndicated shows. All la Say by the bell, I suppose. Um, did you ever see that episode of a, a very special episode of a Punky Brewster? I, I did didn't not. see it. Yeah. Neither did I. I did not. If you did see it, Join our Patreon and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, guys. I'm yes. joking. Sort of. Sort of. Sort because of. Because a great way to support the show and keep our lights on. and
2: Zach needs to eat, everybody. Help all, sandwich. you know,
0: book the guests and whatnot and the studio spaces. Because um, really quickly, if you want to know who's upcoming, and this is serious, really quickly, if you want to know who's upcoming on our show for the month of May and June and July, uh, join our Patreon, where we drop little hints, little teases uh, ahead of time of a, some upcoming guests. So I'm done plugging. I'm no more plugging. Simply talking about Thrashing. Um, thrashing, you know. thrashing,
1: And by the way,
0: Thrashing's an aggressive style of skating. Kind of like the aggressive style of promoting I've been doing a Patreon this entire episode. And Territory Marks. Patrons, Patrons, Territory Marks. Yeah. Anyways, that's Thrashing that's right. um playground that's 1986 all right I love you Dustin thank you for uh for re-recording and, and doing such a great episode
2: I love you too thank you for everything and thank you guys for listening as always be well
0: be well take it away Barry well actually hit it get along gang, get along gang. Get along gang. Oh.
1: each one's so special in his own way My such a good sport but get along gang get along gang there's woman and daddy with the spirit the bingo the pranks doesn't ruin it the logical for so we'll figure it out And unless it's there the
2: I just wanted to say goodbye and remind
0: you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s.
2: All right, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.
0: Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really.